The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. However, some have said that they are not, for they do not indulge themselves in the immoral excesses like others. If Scripture teaches that all men have sinned, how does God render judgment? In today's episode, we're going to be reading from Romans 2, 1-16 regarding God's impartiality. My name is Cesar Navarro, and this is the Pilgrim Stories Podcast, where we talk about Bible theology and real-life stories. Mm. Romans 2, 1-16 writes, Therefore, um, you are without excuse, O man, everyone who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you, judge, practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you presume this, O man, who passes judgment on those who practice such things, and does the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will repay to each other according to His works, to those who, by perseverance in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and anger, there will be affliction and turmoil for every soul of man who works out evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For all have sinned without the law will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are justified before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law naturally do the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. In that they demonstrate the law or in that they demonstrate the work of the law within their heart, their conscience bearing witness in their thoughts, alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. In chapter 2, Paul writes that both Jews and Gentiles have no excuse before God and won't escape His judgment. For what they condemn is the same thing they practice. Our Lord condemned the Jewish leaders, uh, saying in Matthew 23, 23-28, writes, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out gnat and swallowing a camel, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and 
that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Similarly, the Gentiles who knew God's divine attributes revealed in nature, suppressed truth and didn't honor nor worship Him. Therefore, God gave them over to debased thinking and impurity. The Jews judge those who do not live according to the oracles entrusted to them, believing, they said, that um, only through the obedience to the law can someone be made right before God. However, Paul writes that it is through God's loving kindness in Christ and His gift of repentance can people be saved and escape God's wrath, not through obedience to the law. In Acts 11, when the Jewish people heard that the Apostle Peter ate with Cornelius, a non-Jewish convert, they were outraged because it was a breach of their Jewish custom. However, the Apostle believed that he should not consider someone unholy whom God has already cleansed. For God has already granted the gift of repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles. In other words, um, repentance was given and was not something that Cornelius uh, personally sought for or decided. God gives a believer a new heart and a new spirit, removing our heart of stone to flesh and causing us to walk in His statutes. Ezekiel 36, 26. And because of election, God orchestrates the salvation of His chosen people, again, just like what He did in, uh, in Acts 11 um, upon Cornelius' life. As Darren L. Bach writes, Obeying is not through trying, but by God's dwelling spirit. Going back to Romans 2, But because of their unrepentant heart, all humankind is storing judgment upon themselves, not only in the present, but also on the day of God's wrath and judgment. He will render indignation both to the Jews um, and their hypocrisy and uh, the Gentiles' total rejection of God. In verses 9 to 12, Paul shows God's impartiality. There will be judgment and distress to every soul who does what is evil, but glory and honor to those who do what is good. In verse 11, Paul writes that all have sinned, whether those who had the law and those who didn't. The Gentiles will perish without the law, and the Jews who sinned under the law will be judged under it. For it is not the hearers of the law will be will be justified, but the doers of it, according to Romans 2.13. Paul focused on the Gentiles by, by saying, though they, they do not have the physical law, or they though they did not have the physical law, they do what the law requires by instinctively acting upon their conscience. He writes, These are a law to themselves and show that the law is present within them. The purpose of the physical law was to reveal sin and make them more aware of it. However, the written moral law in the heart of man does the same. It will bear witness and reveal the status of their hearts and thoughts either accusing them or defending them on the day of God's judgment through Jesus Christ. What does it mean? We can never escape God's judgment. Even if we do not have the physical law, God has His written law in our hearts. Our conscience reflects God's commandments. Our conscience tells us not to lie, but we lie. Our conscience tells us not to steal, but we steal. 
we know we have done things against our conscience many times in our lives. Therefore, uh, there is no partiality before God, and there will be tribulation and distress to every soul of men, to the Jews first who had the physical law, and also to the Greeks who do not have the physical law, or but they have the physical law within them. As Paul writes, all have sinned and fallen short. Nothing is hidden before him, before God, and God will render righteous judgment to those who have violated his commandments. We cannot escape his judgment because our, even even with our righteousness, for our, for our righteousness are like filter rags before him, as Isaiah 64, 6. But thanks be to God that he provided a way or the way to be made right before him. After God took the Israelites from Egypt, the Israelites kept on breaking Yahweh's command, commandments, particularly uh, the commandment to have no other gods than him. In the book of Jeremiah, God made a new covenant with Israel and with the house of Judah. This is not like the Sinaitic covenant they broke. For God said, I will put my law within them, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Christ came, and he is now the mediator of the new covenant, and the only way to be made right with God, because the first covenant had been faultless. In the Old Testament, there was worship um, regulations at the tabernacle that the priest had to follow. The tabernacle is divided into two sections, the outer tabernacle, which is called the holy place, and the second or the inner tabernacle called the holy of holies. The priest performed divine worship in the outer tabernacle, but only once a year they could, uh, uh, the priest could enter the second tabernacle, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself, for himself, rather, and the sense of people in breaking the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew 9.8, the Holy Spirit was indicating that the way to the holy place had not been disclosed yet while the outer tabernacle is still standing. In other words, the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed how to have a straight access to God, for, for people still had to rely in the Levitical system to make yearly sacrifices for their sins. Sacrifices that could never, never make them perfect in conscience. As John MacArthur writes, This sacrificial system didn't provide full forgiveness of their sins. Therefore, this system of sacrifice was an object lesson for the present time of what is to come in Christ. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation, not through the blood of goats and calves that the priests of the Old Testament had to sacrifice even for themselves, but with his precious blood, he entered through the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal salvation. The blood of goats, bulls, and ashes of a high first sanctify for the purification of the flesh, but the blood of Christ is better, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance. 
In Christ, all efforts to be justified before a lawmaker have ceased. When a Roman prisoner is jailed, a paper will be posted on his jail door um, stating all the list of the violations um, that he had done or he has done. When he finishes time, a stamp will be posted on the paper saying, Paid in full. The Greek word is tetelestai. When Jesus bowed his head on the cross, our Savior concluded his mission by saying, Teleo, meaning it is finished. Our debts paid in full. God will judge both Jews and Gentiles. The Jews first who had the physical law and the Gentiles who had the written law in their hearts. And both will be judged according to their deeds. James 2.10 writes that whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at one, he has become guilty of all. If someone says he does not commit adultery but commit murder, he has become a transgressor of the law. All of us have committed things that violated God's commandments, and the wages for it is not a momentary punishment, but eternal death. He, hell is described as a place where the smoke of those who are tormented goes up forever, and there is no rest. Day and night, those who worship the beast, his image, and receives the mark of his name. Friends, hell is a real place, but the free gift of God is is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Turn away from your sin and put your trust on His sacrifice. Paul writes that we should not think lightly of the kindness and tolerance and patience of God that leads to repentance. The Greek words for the word lightly is kataphroneo, or to think against. But the opposite of it is phroneo, that means to exercise the mind, to look intensively, or to set one's affection. We should not disregard God's kindness. Instead, the Word reminds us to set our affection on Christ and His sin-bearing sacrifice to save hostile sinners like you and me from eternal damnation. In Him, there is assurance of the total forgiveness and certainty of heaven. These should be the driving force for us to turn away from iniquity and live like citizens of heaven here on earth. I'll see you all in the next podcast.